Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you realize my son is Mexican and Indian? He's going to be able to engineer the wall. going to steal your laptop and fix it. It's going to be an amazing thing to see. Comedian Russell Peters is not afraid to exploit stereotypes for comedy, even, or maybe especially, when he's joking about his own family. It's The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. There's a decent chance that if you are listening to this podcast in the United States, you've never heard of my guest today. Though he may still not be a household name in America, Russell Peters is a global comedy sensation, among the highest-grossing comedians in the world, selling out stadiums in New York, London, and Mumbai, where he shot his most recent stand-up special, Deported, for Amazon Prime Video. Russell's willingness to go after stereotypes of all kinds has made him a target of sorts for some in the comedy community, and we get into all of that on today's episode. We also talk about his longtime feud with Trevor Noah, why he does not have a problem with a poo from The Simpsons, and a lot more. If you're a fan of this podcast, please do us a favor by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash laugh to rate this podcast wherever you listen. Now, here's me and Russell Peters. Uh, so yeah, what's uh, what's going on? Are you you, on, you, t- you touring? Are you? Uh, I'm on. You... I'm on the road working on a new act right now. Yeah. So you just put out your special. So that's special uh, came yeah. out to what a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, now I'm just out there grinding. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's the it's the uh, cycle of a comic. Yeah. Exactly. You got to start from scratch. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I, I in preparation for this, you know, I like to read a lot of uh, interviews and profiles with mm-hmm. with my guests and. There's a there's a theme that comes up a lot in in interviews and, and profiles of you, which is that you're insanely famous everywhere around the world, except people in America don't always know who you are. Do you feel like that's a, an accurate portrayal of no of I, your, I, uh, of your I, situation? I don't, I don't think it is like that. Because here's the thing: yes, I'm popular in other countries, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm popular in the same way that I'm popular in America. Yeah, like the people that know me come out, see me, love me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go to England, I, I, I do the same thing. I sell out the O2 arena or yeah. I sell out Wembley arena or whatever. And I'll do it multiple nights. Even mm-hmm. I can't even get on a talk show over there. Yeah. Oh, really? You know I mean, so it's, it's, it's very similar. Like mm-hmm. I'll go to these other countries and I don't exactly get on their best shows. I, I don't get, I don't even, I don't even think about it anymore. It's yeah. more like, uh, well, I'm here. There's, you know, 15, 16,000 people that want to come see me. I'm going to go do what I got to do, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a great time. And if you guys don't want to be a part of it, that's your problem yeah. at this yeah. point. <laughs> so do you think – is there is there something frustrating about that perception, or are you just kind of it, – it is what it is? And it you... is what it is. I mean, a perception is just that. It's not reality. It's a yeah. perception. Mm-hmm. So 
Mm-hmm. I think the reality is where we're living in. So yeah, I mean, so you have a so you have the new special. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many specials have you done? How, what number is this for you? This one is number nine. Wow, that's a that's that's great. Yeah, it was um, it was ninety five, ninety seven, two thousand three, two thousand six, eight, ten, thirteen, sixteen, and this one. So it's called Deported. It's on Amazon. So it's your first one with Amazon because they kind of just got into this yeah. this game, right? I like to be with uh, people from, from when they're when they're at the base level of things. You know yeah. what I mean? Like to be either first or very early on mm-hmm. with companies or whatever it is I do, just to maintain that I'm. It's it's kind of like a hip hop thing for me. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? yeah. it's like <laughs> you know you want to be you want to keep it real. Yeah. Is it true that you had the first or one of the first uh, Netflix the first. Uh, specials on streaming I, or on the was it was that I, a DVD one or was that a no, streaming one? Yeah. I was the very first straight to Netflix. Yeah, uh, stand-up special. Did you have any idea how how big the Netflix uh, I special no thing would get? No clue what was going to happen there, and uh, I knew they had a great idea. Yeah, and uh, when they came to me with it, I was like, "That sounds cool. Let's do that." Mm-hmm. And uh, they managed to flip it into what it is to now. Yeah, and then uh, this it got really crowded in there. Yeah, it did. You know, you're at a party and you're the first one there, and then you're seeing everybody <laughs> come in. You're like, "Hey, it's gonna be a great party," and then. It starts to get a little crowded. You're like, hey, I'm just going to go outside and get some air real quick. Yeah. And then you sneak out and get in your car and you It go does away. seem like it's a little bit harder to stand out on Netflix now compared to now something like Amazon where, yeah, I where mean, they only and, have a handful of, of specials. And let's be honest. If you got you know Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and and, and Eddie Murphy coming on yeah. Netflix, I'm not going to watch <laughs> me either. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to pay attention to Russell Peters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you called the special Deported, um, which I actually – I was expecting some more uh, – some Trump material uh, based on that – on that title was that well, something you considered or uh... no i mean the tour was called a deported world mm-hmm. tour yeah and i'm not a political guy in that sense mm-hmm. and uh if you want to hear trump until you could basically put on the tv yeah at any and point hear, in time during the day and hear anyone and you're else, gonna yeah. you're gonna hear it for free and, and written by about 150 different writers mm-hmm. so they, you got a better chance of hearing a much better joke there yeah than you're gonna hear from me mm-hmm. yeah so you've never done you've never been a a political comedian in that sense no and i'm you know i'm listen i'm a visitor in america i've been living here 14 years mm-hmm. i'm canadian i can't vote so look i can have opinions but that doesn't mean my opinions are worth anything mm-hmm. and uh and i can't vote anyway so yeah you know basically if somebody was like well you can't vote you're not from here shut the fuck up i'd be like fair fair <laughs> fair, fair, fair assessment on your behalf yeah so uh, um i kind of stay out of it and yeah. people are it, it's i you know i it's a weird time we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the country, like, there's people that love Donald Trump, love Donald Trump. And then there's people that hate, despise Donald Trump. There is nobody in the middle. Yeah. There's not one. Have you met one person that goes, <laughs> I don't know. He's okay. I'm going to give him a chance. <laughs> you know, he's okay. You know, he's not so bad. You know, you don't, there's no, there's nothing, there's no yeah. hemming and hawing. It's extreme on both sides. It's extreme blind love and it's extreme mm-hmm. blind hate. Yeah. So... I stay out of it because uh, I'm the guy in the middle going, uh, it's not that I think he's great. I'm just kind of like, you know what? I don't really have an opinion either way on this yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to some comedians who want to be able to tour all over the country, and it's harder if you have material that really goes after one side or the other, usually, you know, going after Yeah. I mean, because it, automatically, it, yeah. it, it's it, the. For some reason, you're not, like, they, you know, they. it's all about America and protecting what we have. But yeah. then 
Well, then you you got to respect this guy's free speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to be able to go. Okay, that's what you want to say. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, oh, you you think that? Oh, then I don't like you no more. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's it's 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 a weird time. Yeah. You want to you want to be st- able. To I stay play out of it. Yeah. I stay neutral. I'm like, mm-hmm. listen, you go love who you want to love. You go hate who you're going to hate. Just come and buy tickets to see me because yeah. you're not going to hear about it from me. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of what your material is about in this special is um, your family and and also kind of getting older i mean i know you're you're about to turn 50 or, yes sir and yes, sir. so you have jokes about uh, an endoscopy and colonoscopy mm-hmm. and all these things that you know come into play potentially when you when you get to to that age so how did you was that something that you just felt like it was time to kind of explore that well no that it was just it, thing? I, I basically talk about what's on my mind and that's mm-hmm. that was on my mind at the time yeah. you know and some people are you know, it was really cheap material. I'm like, really? I mean, in what sense? Or- I'm like, oh, you talk about your asshole. I'm like, <laughs> well, where do you, where, where does it take place? You fucking dick. I'm like, can you swear on this? Bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't make up where these things take place. Don't get mad at me. Like, yeah, it's a real thing. That it's a real did, yeah. thing. They can't like people get mad at reality now. Mm-hmm. Because we live in such a fake plastic world nowadays yeah. that people get freaked out by real things. They don't. They don't recognize it as real. Mm-hmm. They, rec- they recognize it as as in a, as that's attacking. Yeah, I mean, you have a pretty huge social media following. Do you Not do you really. deal with a lot of no? You, have, you would in think the millions, I would have more. right? I think I have, no, I have three hundred sixty-five thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah, and, and what about four Twitter? point something on Twitter? That's four point something good. million on Twitter. But who uses Twitter? Well, yeah, journalists probably. If I could just get those people from Twitter onto my Instagram, I'd be in a great place. I'd be in a great place. Because Instagram is a better uh, way to to sell tickets and get people in. I don't know what it's better for. I don't like either of them. Honestly, if I could be off of both, I would be off of both in a heartbeat. So why do you do it? Uh, It's a a necessary evil nowadays. Yeah, to promote. Yeah, I mean, I have the – it's – it's literally it's it's like a it's like a, it's like an agent. It's a necessary evil. <laughs> so I mean, but do you do you look at the do you get a lot of like trolling or blowback and stuff? And do yeah, you, do you, you know, you do. It or? You, you get it. And I just I I'm at the stage of a block report mm-hmm. report block. Yeah, you know, I, I like the mute. The mute works well too. Mute's good you, too. Yeah. Because then they don't even know that they're blocked. They could be screaming at you, and you just can't see it. Maybe I'll mute. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I want them to know. Yeah, you want them to know. Bye-bye. Coming up, a lot of Indian-American comics think it's hacky to do an Indian accent on stage. Russell tells them why he thinks they're wrong. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by my favorite CBD gum, Euphoric. Comedians, like so many of us, can be very anxious. Maybe they should try Euphoric the innovative, patented hemp oil-infused chewing gum. What makes Euphoric so special, you ask? Euphoric is not your average gum. It's actually an innovative, patented delivery system. What makes this gum so innovative? Euphoric combines powerful chewing benefits with the heavily researched benefits of full-spectrum hemp oil, which is rich in naturally occurring phytocannabinoids, including CBD. The long-lasting mint flavor and the consistency make it possible to chew it longer, which increases absorption in the mouth. In fact, Euphoric Hemp Oil-Infused Chewing Gum has the best absorption rate on the market, 84%. Compared to edibles like gummies and tinctures, even capsules, Euphoric absorption rate is about 50% greater. This is because edibles have to pass through the digestive tract, which breaks down the ingredients and drastically reduces their absorption rate. Plus, the simple act of chewing has scientifically been shown to help improve memory, cognitive function, and oral health, 
and even reduce anxiety. That's why Euphoric is the best gum you'll ever chew. Euphoric is legal in all 50 states. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, non-GMO, and even supports dental health because it contains xylitol. You only need to try Euphoric once to see what all the fuss is about. To prove it, a limited supply of free trials have just been released nationwide. Just visit this website, lovethisgum.com, to claim your free trial today while supplies last. Again, that website is lovethisgum.com. Lovethisgum.com. So I just I want to talk about your kind of comedy beginnings. Um, and so starting with when you were a kid, what were what were the sort of com- comedians or, or comedy things that you were really into? I was listening to Sunday Night Funnies as a kid. Yeah. That would be on the radio. And so I would have the radio on before I go to bed at night. And Sunday Night Funnies would come on in Toronto and you'd hear all the you'd hear funny <clears throat> excuse me you'd hear funny songs mm-hmm. like fish heads do you know fish heads no. it was fish heads fish heads roly poly fish heads <laughs> you would hear all that kind of stuff and they're coming to take me away he he ho 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 ah. that was uh, these were all the things i would listen to as yeah. a kid <clears throat> and um then you would hear stand up mm-hmm. you would hear a lot of bob newhart back then cuz it obviously had to be clean it was on the radio yeah and uh you'd hear a lot of the old time guys and then i started discovering comedy records at the library oh yeah and i would sign them out and rent them because mm-hmm. you could rent records mm-hmm. back then and so when was there a certain point where you said you know i actually want to want to do this i want i think i can i can well i would just myself. Hear, i would hear comedians records and then i would say the lines back to people and they would mm-hmm. laugh and i'm like oh that's a fun that's a fun feeling to be yeah. able to make people laugh and then i would say things of my own and they would like oh okay and then you know cut to um 1989 my brother is asking. My cousin Andrew told me, "You're really funny. You should go try to do stand-up comedy." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Ah, really?" Then somebody else said, "You should try doing stand-up comedy." I was like, I, "Really? I don't. I, I mean, I like stand-up comedy. Yeah, I've watched stand-up comedy. I mm-hmm. saw Eddie Murphy live in concert in 1986, or 85, 86. It was 86. Yeah, where was that? In Maple uh, Leaf Gardens in oh, Toronto, yeah. and it was the Raw tour. Mm-hmm. But at the time, when when the movie came out, it was called Raw. But when it was on tour, it was called um, Pieces of My Mind. Okay, and." uh so I saw that, and I was just, I was, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then my brother told me, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I think maybe I'll try and do stand-up because you ever seen it live?" And I go, "I mean, Eddie Murphy, because you ever seen it like for real though, like at a comedy yeah. club?" I'm like, "No." So he took me to go watch a couple of different amateur comedy spots. One was like theater sports, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Nah, that ain't it." It yeah. was like improv. Like improv I was like, yeah. "Nah, that ain't it." <laughs> then he took me to Yuck Yucks, mm-hmm. and I watched. We went to an amateur night, and I was like, "Oh." I think I could do this. Yeah. I was watching the guys. I go, that guy's really good. That guy's really good. This person's really good. I'm like, and then I go, well, I think I'm going to try that. And then you like see people go, I think I could be funnier than that person. <laughs> and that's all it took. And then I started doing it. And here we are 31 years later. Yeah. What do you remember about the first time that you got up to I was to awful. Do it? Yeah. I was fucking awful. <laughs> do you I was anything, terrible. Any of your material? Or what I had you no material. Like, I mean, yeah. I thought I had material. It was yeah. not material. It was lame. Mm-hmm. I think I got one chuckle and that's what kept me going. Yeah. Well, you don't know what the chuckle was. It was from? I don't. I think I just did an Indian <laughs> accent at some point, and, and here we are, thirty-one later, <laughs> and I'm still doing it. Yeah. Do you have any? I mean, the Indian accent's an interesting thing. I mean, do you? Because I know there's some comedians who have said they they won't do it, and others that that do. I mean, do you have? You mean any, in, on the stage? Yeah, on stage. Well, that's their fucking problem. Yeah. I you, mean, what, what's your beef with doing it on stage? I mean, if 
mm-hmm. if I'm doing it, and I'm not just doing it willy nilly. I'm doing mm-hmm. it because you for know, a reason. My, I'm talking about my parents or my family or somebody, and you know, mm-hmm. that's how they sounded. Yeah, I'm not going to be like. And then my dad said, "Hey, so what are you going to do?" Yeah, that's not how my dad talked. <laughs> Bombay, Calcutta, Bombay, Calcutta. Got to the point where I didn't know if there was any more to India than just Bombay and Calcutta. And I remember being here in Bombay. I was nine years old, and I said to my dad, "I go, Dad, um, is there any more to India than just Bombay and Calcutta?" And my dad said, "No." Are you sure? Positive. But there seems like there's a whole bunch of country out there. Uh, I'm sure there's more people. There are more people and they look just like you. What do you want to see? I was like, Dad, can I see the Taj Mahal? Not from here. I mean, I guess there's a difference between doing a specific uh, person and doing it, yeah, generally. Yeah, maybe and, or like, like if a white guy goes, you know, then my dad said, hey, you son of a bitch. And I'm like, why are using that weird voice? That's how he talked. Yeah. Like, the, the, you, yeah. It, nobody says anything to a mm-hmm. white guy who does that, or, mm-hmm. or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, yeah, but does, if I does do a Boston it, it's like, accent. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, he's hacky. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm actually not. I'm just being fucking true to what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what you're saying about people getting getting mad about real shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I may, maybe some young Indian comics don't want to do it because they don't want people to go, oh, Russell Peter does that, or... Yeah, that it's uh, But if it's your reality, yeah. it's your reality. Mm-hmm. Your reality is just that, it's your mm-hmm. reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I read somewhere that you actually met George Carlin early on in yeah, your, met him in your in career. Yeah, Can you tell that story yeah, or what, I met what him happened? In, in 1992 in Toronto, the night the Blue Jays won the World Series. Mm, memorable. Yep. And, uh, everybody was partying up and down Young Street in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. It was, I was 22 years old. I'd been doing stand up three years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and, and I was walking down the street being a smart ass. Everybody's partying and. I didn't drink at the time either, so I was just like screaming and yelling for no reason because yeah. we were excited. <laughs> and I see this old guy with a ponytail walking towards me, mm-hmm. and I elbow my friend and go, "Hey, this guy looks like George Carlin." Like, just, <laughs> so to be a smartass when he walked past me, I go, "How you doing, George?" And he goes, "How you doing, kid?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and I and I ran after him. I go, "Holy shit, it was George Carlin." Yeah. What was he doing there? He, I go, "What are you exactly yeah. what I said?" I go, "What are you doing here?" He goes, "Am I not supposed to be here?" <laughs> and and he was like, "Hey, so I was in town. Doing, I don't know what he was doing, but yeah. I was just." I was so geeked to meet him. I walked him back to his hotel. Mm-hmm. I don't did think he, he wanted did he me want, to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he, it was very unsolicited. Yeah. <laughs> but he was so nice to me and gave me mm-hmm. great advice. And and then I told him, you know, maybe one day we'll work together. And then you cut to 10 months before he passed away and I got to work with him. Yeah. What was that? At the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. Mm-hmm. You just went up the same same night as him? He, they called me and said, Carlin's coming in. Yeah. Because they knew I was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, I would love. Do you want to be on the show? I was like, hell yes. Yeah. They go, you want a feature? I go, no, no, no. I'd love to host for him. Mm. And they said, well, we got somebody. I go, oh, please. And they so they moved that guy yeah, to they bumped the to host. middle. They moved the <laughs> oh. host to the middle. Oh, they and they put gave me him a promotion. Host. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I I don't see how that's a promotion. <laughs> I always <laughs> feel like the, yeah. the MC is the most important person on the show next mm-hmm. to the headliner. Yeah. The middle. The, the middle is the hardest. Yeah. And the middle is just like you're doing stand up. Mm-hmm. The MC's the one's got to get the show to the right tone mm-hmm. and then keep it there. So what did what was your interaction with George? He was really night? nice, and when I did the intro, I told the story about when I met him, mm-hmm. and my chin started quivering, and I really thought I was going to cry. Oh, God. And then he shakes shakes my hand when he gets on and goes, "You're making me look bad, kid." <laughs> he was so nice, though. Yeah, and that was pretty uh, not too long before he he passed. Yeah, ten months later. Wow. Yeah. Um, I remember I cried when he died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big loss in the in the comedy world. And for me especially, it was like, you know, he was my connection mm-hmm. to, uh, like, my dad and I used to watch him. So it was kind of like, 
like the the one thing that kept me and my dad together and my dad had already passed at that time so i think it hit me twice as hard yeah. it seems like he was a really great mentor for a lot of comics i mean there's that story about gary shandling uh sort of not knowing if he could continue on and and then got um some advice from him too that, that really kept him going shandling was also a really nice guy too. yeah did you have did you meet him or? yeah you know shandling and i we did uh the jungle book together mm. And so we were recording our he, – he was the porcupine and I was the peacock in the movie. And uh, we, were, we do the scene where we're fighting over a branch. So him and I are in the in the studio yeah. watching it on the screen doing the audio it's for cool it. It's cool you got to do it with him because that yeah. doesn't always happen, right? No, Usually, I know. Yeah. It just happened to work out that way. And mm-hmm. we had chopsticks in our mouth. We were pulling <laughs> chopsticks while we are doing it. Is that a peacock? A stick. Oh, that's my stick. And him and I were talking about boxing and Oh yeah. And he was a, gave me his number. He was such a sweet guy and mm-hmm. so so cool. And we would randomly just text each other and you know, right before he passed away he sent me a note saying I just went to the doctor, got a checkup. Everything's great. Oof. I said, "Good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see you at the premiere." Yeah. And he passed a couple weeks before the premiere. Oh, before the movie. Yeah. Oh man, that sucked too. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that your big break came because of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what was, what was the story there, and how did that, how did you kind of get to, the, to that point that your, that your stuff started being seen online? Because that seems like that was a huge uh, turning point in your. Oh yeah, it was definitely career. a turning point. Definitely a catalyst. <clears throat> I, I shot a special in 2003. It aired in 2004, early 2004, February mm-hmm. 2004. And then it, um, you know, it just aired in Canada. It wasn't like international or anything. It was just airing mm-hmm. in Canada. And I suppose somebody recorded it onto yeah. VHS, I would imagine, at the point, at that mm-hmm. time. And, uh, and then that's when file sharing had just started. Yeah. Napster and they had chopped and, it up guess, into, because yeah. you couldn't put big files out. Mm-hmm. So they would just take a joke and throw it on the file sharing and then they mm-hmm. would email it to people. Yo, check this guy out. And they would send the email, mm-hmm. you'd open it. I don't know if you had to download it. You'd probably yeah. have to download it back yeah. then in order to hear it. So there's no streaming anything. Yeah, was, no yeah. streaming. So people started getting, it started getting passed around. Mm-hmm. And then because the jokes were different, different cultures all the time, this started getting chopped up into different cultures and people were getting, Italians were getting their bit, the Jamaicans mm-hmm. were getting their bit, the Indians were getting their bit, the Chinese were getting their bit. Everybody was getting a piece. Yeah. And, and, um, so you, by the end of 2004, I went from, um, not being able to, I had 12 people at a show in Chicago in, in February of 2004, mm-hmm. cut to November of 2004. And I sold out three nights at a theater there. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, something's going on. <laughs> And you, had, some, and you had no idea why? I really had no clue. I was like, how do they know about me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I haven't been on TV in America. Like, that was literally the only way I knew you could be, anybody could know about you. If you weren't on TV, nobody's going to know about yeah. you. And uh, But I guess the file sharing. And then in 2005, YouTube started. Mm-hmm. And then somebody dumped the entire special onto YouTube. And there we go. Was it was it chopped up in pieces or was there it was the whole chopped thing? up yeah. pieces and there was eventually the whole thing as well. Yeah, it's funny. It's like you didn't probably you know there was no YouTube, so you couldn't have done it on purpose. But you made something that was very YouTube friendly in a way that it could be chopped up and people yeah. wanted to share yeah. elements of it. And I'm sure it's a, it's a, is it over? It's at over a billion views or something right now. No. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Oh, that's wild. It's it is wild, especially considering I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah, you, some people try to orchestrate that, but maybe you yeah. can't orchestrate it. You have to it yeah, has you to can't, happen yeah. naturally. It was it was completely unfabricated. Mm-hmm. What's it like when you're now as you said starting out trying it, to build up a new It's hour? fun for me. It's like it, it's like a gold rush, you know. You're, mm-hmm. you're you're literally sifting for gold at all yeah. times. And what kind of places do you play? Do you play smaller places yeah, just when play you're clubs. yeah. I just did 18 shows in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, at Miami Improv, West Palm Beach Improv, Orlando Improv, Tampa Improv, yeah. and they were adding shows on yeah. these uh, a lot of the weekends too. So it was you know it was great. And at those shows, is it mostly people who are coming to see you that are fans? Yeah, they're all it... they're all fans or new fans. There was a mm-hmm. lot of new fans out there, and it was great to see like the completely different demographic in the audience nowadays. You How know? so? Um, you know, it's gone from uh, predominantly Asian and Indian mm-hmm. to. Uh, to just completely mixed now. Yeah. Literally completely mixed. What do you think explains that? Or I don't know. You... I mean, I guess after 31 years and doing stand-up and having this many specials and, mm-hmm. you know, being seen, uh, it, it pays off. Yeah. You know, people know who you are after a while. They go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Let's go see him. Yeah. Have you noticed from the Amazon special? I mean, that seems like- It's only a week a and a half. Of, yeah. You know, in, so. It's hard to tell It's hard to so tell far. if there's any- any swell or deflation or whatever mm-hmm. may or may not be. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like it got a lot of promotion, though, on, on Amazon, from what I could tell. I don't know. I You know, it's funny, is it? sounds going to sound bad. I tried to watch it, but I didn't know my login. Oh, you didn't, you didn't I know literally, I thought you just typed an Amazon Prime video, and it would just show up. Yeah. No, you need an Amazon Prime account. Yeah. You don't, you don't I have... literally OK-boomered myself. <laughs> Coming up. I ask Russell to weigh in on the accusations of joke-stealing he has made against The Daily Show host Trevor Noah. He didn't exactly want to go there, but here are the two bits back-to-back so you get an idea of what we're talking about. I like listening to people speak Russian. You ever heard people speak Russian? It's amazing. They just sound like they're talking backwards the whole time. Vladimir, is if anything, Russian just sounds like a DJ is scratching on a turntable. No, no, Vlad, and no, listen, Vlad, 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 Vlad. That's up next on The Last Laugh. What's the deal with your your beef with Trevor Noah? Eh, it's not. It's 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 old. It's ancient history now. Yeah, I don't. I, know- I can't think about it. Here's the thing: you, you, whatever happens in your life, mm-hmm. and you get it out, you leave it there. Mm-hmm. If you drag it with you, you're carrying you're carrying this this weird energy that you don't need with you. Yeah. So. It was what it was, and I left it there, mm. and then I just kept my life moving. Yeah, I was confused because I know you, you said you, he, you kind of accused him of stealing jokes. Then you said it was a, a 
prank or a joke on Twitter, and then you kind of came back and said, no, it wasn't, or... Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Basically, yeah. So it's 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 ancient history now. Yeah, you don't want to think about it. I don't. Now, I, I mean, it's it, I I don't need to be weighed down by, like I, you know what I mean. It's like I got again. My life has changed so much since all that mm-hmm. happened that I'm like, that's the least of my worries. Yeah, I got I got a new baby. I can't I can't be worried about other people mm-hmm. and what they're doing. And then you get yeah. into these weird spaces in your life where you. You, you you know in life you have this way of uh, of living you can focus on the positive you can focus on the negative mm-hmm. and then every now and then you may veer off and focus on the negative for the wrong reasons or whatever your mental space is at that time mm-hmm. and then and then other times you get a little bit more clarity you go well here's the option you can go negative or positive here mm-hmm. i'm just going to go positive because i don't need that negative yeah. right now do you feel like earlier in your career you would go negative and and kind of regret it or no i mean i saw listen i i say things that i say sometimes in the in whatever heat of whatever moment it is and that's how i felt at that time and and you know whether you know i'm bothered by it still or not is uh, it's not the same level of bother mm-hmm. anymore you know yeah. what i mean where it's just like eh not worth it yeah, more. There's more important. There's stuff. more important things to do. I gotta, I gotta focus on what's ahead of me than what's behind me. Mm-hmm. What's behind me is already there. It's already behind me. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta keep moving forward now. Yeah, the. I mean, there's a lot of looking back in comedy now. Which oh, is, lots is I look tough. back at, it and I go, you know, I, I, part of me uh, wishes I never even mentioned it. Yeah, I'm like, I whether whether you know, I, I look back and I go, I, I didn't need mm-hmm. to mention that. I didn't. I I opened up this can of worms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, eh, leave it back there. Yeah. Um, what do you think about, you know, in general, people going back and looking? I mean, this is something that actually happened to Trevor Noah when he got hired is that people look back at his. He was sort of one of the first cancel culture moments where people were digging up old tweets and saying, you know, they do that when to he got everybody a big job. Now. That's, yeah, I mean, it happens to everyone when they get it when they get a big job. Here's I mean, the problem with when they dig up these old things like that, and mm-hmm. and Kevin Hart's a prime example, right? When they, you know, when he was going to host the Oscars, and then they dug up this old tweet and said, "Look, what they failed to understand in that was that was a tweet from ten years before mm-hmm. that he said something that was deemed homophobic." Yeah. Then they look at the tweets from from that point onwards. He never said anything remotely like that ever again. Yeah. Yet you want to punish him for saying it 10 years ago, and you're like, you need to understand, you need to change. Mm -hmm. He clearly changed. But you want to negate that change that he made Mm -hmm. because you want to fixate on what you want to fixate on. So so do you want change or do you not want change? Because if you want change, the change is proof right in front of you that for 10 years he never said anything similar to that even. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so do you want the change or do you want to wallow in what makes you feel important in your little world? Mm -hmm. You don't want change clearly. Yeah. I mean, and then there was the more recent one with the guy who got hired by SNL, and that was something, you know, stuff he had said only like, you know, six months to a year before. I I didn't actually see or hear what that guy said. Yeah. But then people were like uh, comparing me to that in that time. And they, oh, when really? that was happening, they're like, yeah, but Russell Peters, he makes these kinds of jokes all the time. But yeah, listen, Russell making... Peters does it. I don't know how or what or mm. why he said what he said because I, I really didn't mm-hmm. hear it or see it or anything. So I can't really say what he did. or mm-hmm. I can't say if it was right or wrong or whatever. I have no basis yeah. for it. But I know that what I say and, wh- and how I say it and what I say and why I say things are based out of a little bit of knowledge of things about mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And also, um, I do it because I want you to laugh. Yeah. And I don't do it – if I make a joke about you, like mm-hmm. what's your background? 
I'm Jewish. Jewish. So like if I was to make a Jewish there, joke, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm not going to do it to the other people in the room. I'm going to do it to you mm-hmm. because I want you to know that I'm not I'm I'm with you on this. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't want you to feel like I'm saying it to them about you. I'm saying it to you mm. about you. Yeah, it's a little more fun. inclusive yeah. in some ways. It's like, about inclusive. Yeah. It's it's actually to show you how you think that you're the only one that does whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the room goes, oh, my God, we do that, too. Mm. And you're like, oh, I guess we're not that different. Yeah. Yeah. Which is different than going after some group or some person that's that's not there sort of in the abstract. Yeah, I, I've, somebody's not in the room. I won't do the joke that I had planned. Yeah. I'm like, any blah, blah, blah? No? All right, okay. never mind. Moving on. And yeah. they're like, what about, no, I want to hear it. I go, nah, it's not, it's not good if they're not here to confirm yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. need your confirmation. I yeah. need your check mark. <laughs> or, to, or to watch them laugh uh, on the screen, yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything, I mean, is it is the cancel culture thing something that you worry about? Are there things that you, that no. you look back and say, oh, I, I kind of, I wish I hadn't, hadn't said that? No, or? because I know that my intent has always been pure. It's mm-hmm. never been... It's never had – it's never deviated from I just want you to laugh. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, sometimes I'll post on my Instagram old clips mm. from maybe 14, 15 years ago. And then I'll see people like, hey, that's not cool. You shouldn't say that about – I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> all right. When I said it then, people knew what I meant. Mm-hmm. How did all of a sudden in the past 14 years did people forget – like how, how do, you, how do yeah. you lose sight of what was actually happening there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, None I mean, of it was bad to begin with. Yeah, People If you are, think it's unfunny, that's one thing. Yeah. That's an opinion. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to attack me and say, this is bad, and you're a bad person, and what you do, I'm like, no, your, your, your issues are now, be- you're trying to make your issues other people's mm-hmm. issues. I mean, I guess part of it is the existence of social media, so you wouldn't have had the place where you're posting and getting the feedback, but do you feel like... It, that that has changed in that amount of time, you know, f- compared to 14 years ago, that that people are more Here's, sensitive, more no, offended. Not, people any of that. are more sensitive. Here's the problem: it's that too many people can be faceless and have a voice mm. and and have something to say to you. Yeah. So you're a public figure. I one person could create 150 profiles. Yeah. And attack you 150 different mm-hmm. ways, but you have no recourse for that person. Yeah. So it's literally. It's this. It's bullying at at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they attack you for whatever it is they think they're attacking you for, it's bullying because they're not coming up to you as as a person one on one and saying, mm-hmm. "Listen, here's what I didn't like about yeah. this," or "Let me tell you how I'm offended because mm-hmm. blah blah blah." It doesn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. So you know they're talking about equality and bullying and all this, but they are actually doing that just exactly what they want, what what they're claiming they don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Have you had people come up to you uh, no. and, and say stuff? Or not just, even, it really not only even happens online. Once. Yeah, <laughs> I've never even met a, an outraged person. Yeah, what 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 kind of feedback do you get from people uh, after shows or that that they meet you? Um, I mean, when I meet people, I'm, listen, I'm I'm always me, mm-hmm. so I never have to worry about was I nice to that person? No, I know who I am, and I'm consistently who I am. Mm-hmm. So. I know that if you meet me, you're going to have a good interaction. Unless you're a dick, yeah. then I might let you know, hey, you're kind of a dick, dude. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so what I want to do now is go back and, and look at a few of the uh, highlights from your from your career and see if there's a story or memory that, that kind of jumps out about it. So okay. the first one is uh, your late night stand-up debut. Do you remember what it what it was in, in America? The- uh, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, wasn't it? I, I Well, what I do remember is that I've done Kimmel twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did Leno once. Yeah. And I did Lopez a few times. Mm-hmm. I was going to do Arsenio, but he got canceled. Ooh. 
and I was rejected by Conan. Really? Oh, I did Fallon once before he became The Tonight Show. Yeah. And uh, that's about it, right? I never got to do Letterman. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I don't ever get asked to do any of the late night. <laughs> was circus. it? A, was it a big deal to get uh, the Tonight Show at the time? It was. Listen, it's always for me. I I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always a big deal for me. Oh, they want you to do so and so. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I'd love to do it. But you know, I if you're not part of the the in crowd, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Although although you may see the in crowd out and they be like, hey Russell, and you can be yeah. friends with them all. But understand, in this business, there's no friends. Yeah. None of these fucking experience. people are real. None of these people are really <laughs> your friends. None of them actually give a shit about you. Mm-hmm. Until you die, then they can use that as your as their platform to up them raise themselves up. Look, man, he was this, they were that. I'm yeah. so what a good look at the person I yeah. am, you know. They everyone posts the pictures of themselves yeah, with the person. Yeah. Um so I mean, yeah. Is, is there has that been a, a challenge in terms of getting booked on in, on TV shows in general? And, I, I don't. I don't look at it as a challenge anymore. I, just, I look yeah. at it as listen. Thirty one years. Mm-hmm. I'm doing fine without it. Um, I, sure, would I love to do it? That'd be great. But if if you don't want me on there, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin your night. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you want me on there, I'd love to be. It, it's kind of like you don't want somebody to. I don't want a pity party. Yeah. So if you want me on. I'm in. Yeah, but you're not. You don't gonna, want me on. You're not going to go after it in the sense. Or yeah, like, I and mean, if you don't want me on, I mean, I'm sure there's you got better people to put on, and that's fair. Yeah, it's not an unfair situation. It's like, man, it's what it is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect me either way. Yeah, it used to bother me before. Mm-hmm. I, I'll admit it. It definitely bothered me before, but at this point, I'm like, ah, fuck it. it look at, I'm still selling out wherever I go. Yeah, it's not affecting me. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't listen to your ego. Mm-hmm. You got to tell your ego sometimes. Hey, hey, relax, stupid. There's more popular people right now. There's more relevant people right now. You had you had your little spot and pot in the spot in the spotlight, mm-hmm. but you know you're still making your money. You're still doing great. So what are you mad at? Yeah. And and you got to you got to rationalize it with yourself. It's about being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were in the movie Source Code. Yes, in was fact, a, I which was. was a big deal. Uh, was that a was that a big? Did that feel like a big thing at the time? No, it was and, great. And what what was your experience like on on that movie? That was the first time I had won an audition. Yeah, that was. Just I call a it winning an audition. audition. Yeah. yeah, I had an audition, and uh, <clears throat> John Papsidera, I think his name was. He uh, I he I got the gig, and um, I had a great time. It mm-hmm. was shot in Montreal over. About a month and a half. Spent a lot of time on a on a train. Spent uh, honestly. There's a funny part. You know, <laughs> if you watch the movie, right, and you'll see, because we're always in the same scene. It's the same scene over and over in the yeah, movie. It seems challenging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when the camera was like not directly on me, and you would mm-hmm. see me, and it looked like I was asleep. Yeah. I was asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally asleep when I was not. When I knew the camera wasn't on me, I'd be mm-hmm. asleep. I'm and people are like, hey, you can't sleep. I go, I'm on a morning train. Yeah, what do people not? do in the morning train? They fall asleep. Yeah, did they? And, did they and give it was you a warm. And they would it? rock the train. <laughs> it was like the fake train and would rock. I did literally like a baby. I was asleep every day. Did they ever have to wake you up and say, "Hey, it's your"? It's I would wait for it to hear cut, and I'm like, "Oh, oh good, yeah. good set, good shot, good yeah. shot, guys, good scene, good scene." <laughs> Uh, you were a judge on Last Comic Standing. In fact, I was. What was that experience? That like? was fun, dude. Yeah, me, Keenan Ivory Wayans, Roseanne Barr, JB Smoove. Mm. Um, it's a good group. It's a great group. <laughs> and um, it was a lot of great comics on that season, mm-hmm. too. Like, really funny people. Yeah. Uh, I've made some good friends from that, uh, whether it be Keenan or Roseanne or mm-hmm. JB and I was always friends. Yeah. Uh, but some of the comics that I saw on the show, I'm, I'm still good friends with yeah. to this day. I've even used a lot of them to open for me. Mm-hmm. 
What was Roseanne like to, to work with? Roseanne's great. I love Rosie. I was a little pissed off at her on New Year's because she was supposed to come over and she flaked on me. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's two years in a row she's done that. <laughs> Rosie, do you hear this? I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna tell you, Roseanne. I'm gonna tell you to watch this so you can see that I was upset with you. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't be mad. That's what she's gonna tell me. I'm not mad anymore, Rosie. Don't worry. Yeah. What do you think about everything that went down with her? I mean, that was another I another mean, one. That, that's uh, that, that's an unfortunate situation because I know her, mm-hmm. and when you know somebody and you hear people saying. This person is something that you know they're not. Yeah. And you're trying to defend them. They're like, no, she is. Look what she said. I'm like, mm. you don't know her. Yeah. You really can't get caught up in this. You don't think she had racist uh, no, motivations? She she, listen, she's, <clears throat> she is who she is. She's not. A, there's not a racist bone in her body. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just like, listen to old people and kids, and they'll just say whatever the fuck they is they want to <laughs> say. And she's from the generation, like, I think I'm from the tail end of that generation mm-hmm. that just said it as we saw it. Yeah. And there's never, like, a, a negative thing attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I said that she, like, she raised, practically raised a black kid, like her son's best friend who would stay with her all the time. Mm-hmm. She sent me pictures of her and her son and this, this other black kid that she raised in the bathtub together. I'm like, yeah. this is not a racist person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not what they do. Do you think she'll uh, work again or be able to work again? She's or? back on the road. Yeah. She's doing fine. Everybody will be fine eventually. Mm-hmm. People have short-term memories nowadays. And listen, if the, if you didn't kill somebody and you really didn't hurt somebody, yeah. is it is it worth trying to end somebody for that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've done – we've got far worse people doing far worse things and n- there's no repercussions happening to them. Yeah. Shit, they could run the country if they want. Yeah. Well, she she is she is a Trump supporter, so uh. she certainly is. But I think honestly, I know her so well that I think she's also <clears throat> she's like punk rock. Mm-hmm. She's counterculture. Whatever's happening, she wants to she's go against, against it. it. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't really mean that she just she just does things to piss people off. Mm-hmm. And I remember I saw her on a flight. We were on a flight one time, and I go, I go, Rosie, could you stop fucking tweeting things? <laughs> I go, you drive me nuts with that shit. And she goes, I know it's so much fun, isn't it? I go. <laughs> Why do you do it? I go, you, I go, I know you. I know you. I read your shit and I go, this bitch is crazy. Yeah. Because I know it's so much fun. Like she just likes <laughs> she enjoys, winding people yeah. up. Yeah. She likes trolling people. Yeah. That's what that's, you know, but she doesn't get that when she's doing it, people can't hear her voice mm-hmm. or her tone when they're, yeah. when she's doing these things. You can't see the look on her face when mm-hmm. she's doing it. And that's the problem with yeah. it all. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring up is uh, you appeared in the documentary The Problem with the Poo, which was uh, Hari Kondabolo's mm-hmm. documentary. And we just there's just a story, I think, last week that, that Hank, Hank is stepping down. stepping down. So I wanted to get your reaction to this, uh, this I heard, big news. Honestly, I heard that there was a petition to get me to replace him. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, listen, if they offered me a gig, I'd be like, listen, I'm not going to be a poo, but you can write a new Indian character and I'd be him. Yeah. But you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't take over a poo. I wouldn't take over. What would be the point of taking over yeah. a poo? Listen, it's a cartoon. He's not mm. a real person. Yeah. <laughs> you can write. You can draw a new guy. Yeah. What was your take on that whole thing? Because that kind of you know, in a sense, I mean, that documentary goes against some of the stuff that we were talking about in terms no, I, of yeah. uh, you know what's acceptable and what's not. And uh, you know, I I don't recall what I said in the documentary. But mm-hmm. I know that it was one of those things where we were just happy to see any kind of representation. Mm-hmm. And you got to understand, if you're an Indian person in North America, um, we, we were a, 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 an in, invisible minority as far mm-hmm. as film and television goes. And that's one of the reasons why I got into the business because I was like, 
there's nobody that looks like me on TV. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that sounds like me doing what I do. Yeah. Like what I want to hear being done. And uh, the closest thing I thought was Eric Estrada. I thought he was Indian. <laughs> yeah. He looks Indian as shit. <laughs> and then when I met George Lopez in like 96 or 98, I was like, are you Indian? He goes, no, fool, I'm Mexican. I'm like, <laughs> the Mexicans name, the name like didn't me. tip you off on <laughs> No, Lopez. I didn't know because I have cousins yeah. whose last names like Fernandez and yeah. stuff like that. And I have a cousin whose last name is Gonzalez. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. that's You fair. never know. You never yeah. know, right? <laughs> so I, I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were underrepresented. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even Apu at that point, I was like, oh, look, an Indian guy. Yeah. So I didn't, didn't necessarily care if it, bother I didn't you. care if it was like negative or not at the time. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't think like yeah. that. We're just but like, what about oh. a white guy doing the voice? Do you think? Is that it, a- it, again, it didn't, didn't click with me back then. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to me. Yeah. Well, it I did think- occur to me that I was like, that doesn't sound Indian. And I'm pretty sure I could do a better job than that. Yeah. But, but that was about it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, well, uh, maybe you'll end up on The Simpsons uh, someday <laughs> if the petition works. The prophetic Simpsons? You ever see those? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Simpsons they always predict the yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, they predicted Trump uh, and, and a lot more. Yeah, yeah, I follow Simpsons, predict the future on Instagram. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, so finally, I like to ask uh, every comedian that I have on the show, who's a person that you've worked with or, or had in your life, a comedian who makes you laugh harder than anybody else? Keith Robinson, yeah, it's Keith Robinson, and or um, or Dom Herrera is yeah. hilarious. And what is it about? What is it about them that really? <clears throat> They're just gets fucking you? F- hilarious people. Like Dom Herrera, I, I have a voicemail of his on my phone. I haven't even checked it yet because yeah. I know it's going to be funny though. <laughs> um, and Patrice O'Neill was another one of those guys. Yeah, I I feel like if Patrice was alive today, he would be shutting down cancel culture. Mm left right and center he was amazing at defending things yeah and it sucks that he's gone Yeah, his voice is missing from that debate for sure yeah he would have really hit it on the head mm-hmm. all right well uh thank you so much for coming in and doing this today thanks for making me come wait a minute <laughs> thanks again to russell peters for chatting with me for this week's episode his latest stand-up special deported is streaming now on amazon prime video and you can find his extensive tour schedule at russellpeters.com. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please give us a follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.